Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. It's still very strange doing that on Zoom without having the uh, the music playing with us. But um, I guys, missed my thanks. dance party. Yeah, right? No, we don't get that anymore. I miss that. Um, but guys, thanks so much for joining us and tuning in again today. We've got lots of people on Facebook with us already today. Um, more are logging in as we're still talking. But um, we wanted to go ahead and get started with the podcast today. Um, today, we are on the very last chapter of First Samuel that we've been in for a couple of podcasts now. Um, and this is the end of Saul, right? So, um, pretty much. So we're going to get into that today in just a minute, but today we actually, we have five people, including myself on the podcast today. Uh, if this is your first time watching or the first time in a while and you've forgotten who we are, our names are on the screen, but if you're listening to the podcast, uh, as we put it out on Tuesdays, um, I am Brent Smith, um, joined by Daniel Yelverton, Pastor Daniel Yelverton. Um, Hello. We have Michael Miller with us. He is our eKids director here at the church. Um, we have Tiffany Wiss joining us today as well. She is our AIM um, Student Ministries co-director with her husband, Jeff. And then we have Jerry Cook, who is a good friend of ours as well. And she is at home in the United States right now, um, but she actually lives her life in Malawi um, on mission and spreading the word of God and working her life over there. So, um, guys, thank you so much for joining us as always. It's great to see you guys again and have this conversation. If everybody wants to say a little bit of something, people can hear your voice. Go ahead. If not, I'll just keep on talking. Hey I'm guys. Gonna... <laughs> That's Michael. Hey everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening or watching or both. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just going to say a little something that that was Daniel. <laughs> So, um, yeah, as I said, we are in wow. the end of First Samuel today. <laughs> it is a very short chapter today, which is very strange for us, uncommon since we uh, made the switch from the New Testament to the Old Testament a few months back. Usually these things are like 10 minutes long or something like that. Today it's like two and a half minutes is all it is. So it's 13 verses. So we'll get into that. But does anybody have any context for us before we get into it? I want to do a little recap of um, First Samuel up to this point and, and uh, actually talk about where we're leading into as this chapter is about the death of Saul today. You know, instead of diming out Daniel, I should be like, yeah, Tiffany, what do you have for us today? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Hold on a second. I hear my kids fighting. And I leave. I've got this cool Bible project video I can pull up for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right. So I guess this is me, right? Is that that what we're doing? Okay. You Uh, do such a good job at it. Oh, guys. Context. The original context. Keep going, but stop. today. (laughs) So so anyways. Context, man. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I forgot my shirt uh, and my cape. Uh, So anyways. uh, Yeah, this is an interesting time because... Like for the longest time now, David has been running from Saul. He's been in the wilderness. Now he's actually living in the land of the Philistines. And he, they have given him like a city uh, called Ziklag, I believe that's what it is. Yes, it's a great city. Uh, Sounds thriving, Russian. Thriving metropolis of Ziklag. And <laughs> anyways, uh, so he has actually, in this time, it's been really interesting. David has been living under uh, a different king, a king in Gath. And the king thinks that David is actually loyal to him and he's actually going out and raiding other Philistine towns, but he's not leaving any survivors and he's coming back with all this plunder and he's telling the king, Hey, I've been actually going to Judea and all these other uh, places in Israel uh, and like attacking all these other people. And so David is now all, like kind of in like almost like he's kind of, kind of part of the Philistine army, 
but the army is now mobilizing with all of its kings and they don't want David there. So they send David home. And then there's a whole nother portion that's happening where his town gets raided, the thriving metropolis of Ziklag. And uh, anyway, so Saul now is uh, facing a huge Philistine army and he's terrified. And he actually has been trying to hear from the Lord and it doesn't work. He, he can't hear the Lord from his own conversations from prophets uh from dreams anything like and so the lord has been completely silent so saul actually goes to see a, a medium he sees uh to try to bring samuel back uh from the dead to talk to samuel to see what he should do and he, it actually happens which is a really crazy scene in chapter 28 uh but basically it gets to the point where it's been basically foretold that saul is going to lose his life that his sons are going to die that his family is basically going to be completely destroyed and so this is kind of what's happening. So this is the, the battle that's taking place. And ultimately we see uh, what Samuel talked about a long time ago uh, when Saul didn't, was not obedience, uh, not, didn't practice obedience with the Amalekites. When he tore his robe, the, uh, Samuel said, this is going to be what it's going to be like for you and your kingdom is going to be torn. And so, so this is kind of the fulfillment of this prophecy. Um, and then from that, we go straight into second Samuel where David ends up becoming King. Um, and so there is a little bit, it's interesting because David, uh, becomes King, but he's not King of all Israel for a while. He actually is only King of Judah for like seven years. And there seems to be, there's, uh, there's turmoil and conflict with that. So this is kind of the end of Saul, the beginning of David, but David doesn't kind of rush into the ultimate King of Israel. He has to take some time for him to unite the kingdom. All right. Hey, da hey, Daniel, I have a question with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Th this is something I was thinking about that as I was reading, I didn't catch, and maybe you did. Um, did Saul command David to go kind of be the, a spy, you know, or was that something that David did on his own? Do you, do you know? It, it, it did. He, sorry, he did it on his own because basically they were saying that they, uh, instead of having to fear for their lives and run and constantly be on the run in Judah, they thought we'll go to okay. the Philistine territory and then that way Saul won't chase us. And so the, the last time that Saul tried to chase him, uh, which was in chapter 26, they said basically at the end that they are going to go and hide in the Philistine territory. So Saul won't ever go after him again. So that was the whole plan. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so it's kind of to avoid uh, having Saul chase him constantly. All right. So we've had context. We got a little bit of a preview of what we're heading into next. So for today's chapter, let's go ahead and get into the reading. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword, and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through, and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, 
and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men, on the same day together. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley, and those beyond the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and lived in them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh, and fasted seven days. All right, short reading today. That's the end of 1 Samuel 31 and the end of 1 Samuel altogether. So it's a short chapter. It's literally just about the death of Saul. So what are we to take from this today? What do you guys think are things that stand out to you that we can um, kind of explore a little bit today? Something that stands out to me is not just really really in this chapter, but it's kind of as we've progressed to this chapter, and it actually moves on into like what, what Daniel was saying uh, into 2 Samuel, is how, how long it actually took for David to, to take the position that God had ordained him to take, and the opportunities that David had to just take the throne. He had a couple opportunities to kill Saul. We know what would have happened. If he would have killed Saul, David would have taken the throne, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he was the guy. He was, you know, but but he didn't do that. He waited on the Lord. And and I think that's that's really, man, that that is really interesting. And in, in our day, in our time, maybe this moves too fast in the application, but we we are the 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 day and time of of microwavable popcorn, you know? Like and on my microwave, I can take microwavable popcorn and I can put it in a microwave and I can hit the button that says popcorn. And then I just sit there as it's going pop, 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 impatiently waiting for this prepackaged popcorn <laughs> to, to go. And I've, I've put zero work into having this popcorn. And that's because of our culture. I, I am impatient. You know, if we go to, to McDonald's, <laughs> I'm talking about food too much. You guys can see I've gained too much weight over quarantine. <laughs> but if we go to McDonald's in, in, the, in the line, we're, we're cursing and then wishing they were like Chick-fil-A because <laughs> it takes too long to get through the line sometimes. That's right. But someone else, someone else <laughs> made our food <laughs> instead of us having to spend an hour fixing it and making it for ourselves. Um, and, and even when we do work and not just food, but a lot of the things that we do because of technology and because of the tools that we have, it's done so, so much of it is done for us that even when we're doing work, we, we, we don't appreciate how, how much is done for us. And, 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 and we, I think we've lost a lot of patience. We, ex- so the reason why I mentioned that, I think what happens is we expect 
not just our food, not Barry just tired technology. Of listening. She lost her patience. Yeah, mm. exactly. <laughs> her popcorn's almost done. It even goes on to the, the animals. The dog was impatient and wanted out. <laughs> see, there you go. Yeah. But, but see, the, the, the point I'm making is that we end up being impatient with, with all these things, but we also get impatient with what God is doing with our lives. Mm. And I've experienced that in my life. I, I know Jerry's experienced. I think a lot of us have experienced that, that, that we know that God wants to do something with us. But it's like, well, God, what are you doing? I'm ready to go now. And, and I think that, that Dave is a good example about how sometimes we need to be patient and wait on God. And we see good things happen when we wait on the Lord. Yeah. Well, I think that like David to me, and it's, you know, we always say, oh man, they're not perfect people, right? Obviously. And so, but one of the things that really sticks out to me is that uh, he has extreme confidence in the Lord and he has also extreme conviction into uh, like, uh, into honoring the Lord and the Lord's anointed one, which would be Saul. Like, um, I just think over and over, I keep looking at this time when David's in the wilderness and he continually shows his character. Um, and uh, even to the end where, like, if you, I read ahead to, uh, into Second Samuel and there's a guy that basically comes and tells the news of what happened to Saul. And it's like, I think the guy ends up killing him or something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. It says he killed him. And, and he, and David's like, he's blown away. He's like, how could you have ever killed like the anointed one of God? Like, in like, like he, he's, it's like to him, he was so convinced of not only like his calling and what he was. So, so he had that confidence in God. So he was so convinced that what God said was going to happen was going to happen that he never, ever tried to accelerate the process. Right. right? And so like when we have confidence in God's promises and um, what he's given us through Jesus, uh, I think that when that's shaken, we tend to try to accelerate the process. We tend to try to take control. We end up trying to do kind of exactly what Saul does. Like as soon as like, as soon as things get, as Saul gets pressed, he begins to go ahead and make excuses or he just starts to act impulsively. David, even though he seems pressed, he never ever, um, and of course we don't know this for sure, but I mean, he just, in, in, the, in the scriptures, right. he never seems to lose kind of sight of who God is and have his confidence and his conviction just kind of remains firm regardless of how like the situation's unfolding. So like, uh, on, I did, um, uh, my coffee in a chapter. And one of the things that I talked about was like, David, um, basically had so much, uh, or not, sorry, not my coffee chapter, but in the one that in verse, uh, chapter 26, like David was, was so, it was a situation was, was basically laid out to where he had Saul again. Right. And, and even a, a, his friend who's with him says, this is the opportunity. And he even said that this friend even said, you don't need to kill him. I'll kill him for you. So you don't have to worry about that. I'll ease your conscience there. And he's still just like, no, like he totally trusted God's timing. And, and that, that completely <clears throat> sticks out to me as well, Michael, that it's just see like his, it not only just patience, but I think patience rooted in confidence in God and trust in his character and his plan. Yeah. There's, um, and do you guys know who Jason Upton is? He's a worship leader. Um, 
Christian artist. Um, he had a new album come out just recently and um, there's a song on it. I was listening to it this morning as I was doing some work around the house before I came in and um, some of the lyrics stood out of this song and I hadn't listened to the full thing. Uh, but then when Michael and Daniel started talking about this, it made me think about it again, but it's pretty cool. If you get a chance, it's Jason Upton. It's called this garden's going to grow. Um, just some of the verses and some of the lyrics really spoke to kind of what you guys are talking about now, having confidence in God um, and trusting that time can take a long time, but trusting in him. But it says, father, make us ready for all our hands have sown. We can hear it raining. This garden's going to grow spirit. Keep us steady. Seasons come and go to never stop believing this garden's going to grow. Um, uh, let our love be patient. Help us to be kind. Teach us in the waiting. Jesus be our guide. Um, and then I really like the bridge. It says, so let the soil of life be watered. Let our light shine brighter. It'll take time and time can move so slow. Um, so mother, don't you worry. We won't let it die. All that you have dreamed for, we'll watch it come alive. So that song is written out of that confidence, out of God and his character and knowing that it's going to come, but time can move so slow. So there's, I, you know, I, I end up in conversations about this a lot because there's so many people that are out there still waiting for their calling and waiting for things that they've been praying for forever to come to fruition. And um, all you can do is tell them that, you know, just wait for it. God is who he says he is. And the things that you've been praying for, the things that you've been talking to him about, he's going to answer your prayers, or at least he's going to do things that'll be even better than what your prayers have been. You just have to have the patience and wait and trust in him in that time mm -hmm. to get through that and be faithful and have confidence mm -hmm. in him through that time. You know, it's interesting, Brent, can we see the exact opposite of that? Like we've seen this, this good example of that with, with David, but we also see the opposite of that with Saul mm -hmm. because as David is patiently waiting um, for that garden to grow, so to speak, he's, he's patiently waiting but Saul's not. Saul is going after David, and and Saul's not not listening. And then, and as the spirit leaves Saul, instead of waiting for for Saul to, uh, or waiting for God to kind of maybe come back and speak to Saul, or or or, or 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 mending the fences with God, instead he seeks a medium, and 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 like does some kind of weird witchcraft stuff, which that one blows my mind, Daniel, about how <laughs> Samuel actually shows up and. What is that all about? But, but like, yeah. but he impatiently does things the wrong way to try to speak to God. And then at the end here, while he's in battle and he's, he's seriously wounded, we, we see again, he even impatiently embraces death mm -hmm. that instead of having any kind of faith of what God can do, he decides to, depending on, on kind of how you interpret this, either to kill himself or have his armor bearer kill him or whatever. There's a couple of different versions of it, but we get the idea that, that he basically finds a way to take his own life. And, and he's a very, very good example of not being patient. And we see the patience of Daniel or Daniel, the patience of David and how it pays <laughs> off. <laughs> and and we see the impatience of, of Saul and how it doesn't work. Um, Last week, we talked about um, how David was a man after God's own heart, and um, Saul was a man after his own heart. Mm -hmm. So if we think about our lives, and um, when we want things of, it could be in good thoughts, but when we're after our own heart of wanting it now, or wanting to complete that now, or wanting God to fulfill it now and he's not, then it seems that it leads to ruin. Um, but when 
we are people after God's own heart. Um, as Brent was saying before, is holding on and trusting the Lord with everything that we have. Then our mind is on trusting the Lord and doing the will of God, which is a man after God's own heart or a person after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. So if we look at it as the complete opposite, we also see their character as complete opposite, where um, where David was a man after God's own heart and Saul was not. He was a man after his own heart. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Tiffany. <laughs> One thing I, that really just stood out to me today when I was reading over this is, you know, you guys were talking about how David had patience but one thing that really stood out to me was how David had love and how he just loved Saul, even though all the horrible things that Saul did to him and, you know, tried to kill him, all those things you see, you know, going forward in second Samuel chapter one, I, I'm always just amazed at how David mourns over Saul and yeah. um, obviously Jonathan, because that was his dear friend. But, you know, he could have easily been happy that, you know, he doesn't have to deal with Saul anymore, chasing him down, and he knows he's going to get the kingdom. But David just mourns, and you can tell that that he, even though Saul was so horrible to him, he loved Saul. He he loved him. And that's where, like, he was a God, or a, a man after God's own heart. I think it really shows in David's character by how he loved, he even loved his enemies. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that, that I've always really liked about reading David in the scriptures is how no matter what people did to him, he still showed the heart of God by loving others. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been trying to be that way more in my life because I think it's easy when you have an enemy. And, you know, we all have people in our lives that, you know, we've had a confrontation with. And, you know, we all have people in our lives that, you know, we could kind of see as an enemy to some degree. And I just think it's a good lesson that God's called us to love those people. And God's called us to, you know, not feel like we have to take vengeance on ourselves. Like if someone does wrong to you, like David was like, no, I'm trusting God's timing. And he loves Saul and he just totally gave it to God. And I think that's something that's really hard. We all, you know, so often we just want to take things in our own kind of going back to what you were saying, Michael, like we just want to do it on our time. We don't want to wait, but I just think another quality of David that was very important through here is just that he loved, mm-hmm. he had loved others so much. So I think so character or application that we can take is, um, are we people, um, that love, are we people that have self-control and patience? Are we people that, um, or Christians that display the heart of God um, by doing his will, by standing um, not in fear, but in confidence in the Lord? Um, Even in this pandemic, are we loving people? Are we standing in confidence or are we standing in fear? Are we being patient or are we doing things on our own time? Um, So um, those characteristics or those qualities of God, are we displaying them? when things aren't going our way. Yeah, that's good. And I think that his patience is not only for his probably desire to become the king. Uh, Tiffany, I think you brought up a really great point about how he had patience in his love. He had patience in justice, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that all the injustice was being done to him, 
in love, he was still patient and trusting in that. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel like he needed to be to take revenge. Um, the one chapter before when he almost takes revenge against Nabal uh, in first uh, Samuel 25, he gets stopped and he actually kind of repents from that and ends up realizing, mm-hmm. and it's another example. And it's cool because God was faithful all throughout that. Like God was able to kind of continually remind David that he was in control and that he was the one that was going to enact justice. Mm-hmm. And, and what's cool is that like David knew that because David was constantly talking to God. He's constantly talking to him and asking him, what should I do? Where should I go? How, what, where? And a lot of it is like those, the, we see it in the big decisions, but I'm sure he did it in the small decisions, right? And I think when we have that communication with God and you see Saul kind of descending into madness because he's lost that communication with God, right? He's pursuing the voice of the Lord and he can't hear it. And I think that we probably take that for granted sometimes, right? We take for granted the opportunity that we get to go before the throne of God in prayer. The fact that Jesus is interceding for us and that like, what's like, we have the opportunity to change our situation or even to jump in on what God is doing through prayer and through kind of a submission to his will in the process. Um, But we, we find ourselves not doing it very often, right? Sometimes we use that that conversation piece that we have with God as a last resort and not something that we're depending on every single day. Uh, And what's interesting is that Saul goes to great lengths just to try to hear God. And yet we have such easy access to God, but yet we just don't bother. Like we don't even, and and I wonder if it's just like we, it's our self-sufficiency maybe, or like uh, our confidence in, you know, our own agenda or our own things. And I think that's probably deals into why we don't have patience because we don't have that time to before the Lord, where we continually ask him about, okay, you know, we're have asked God to speak to us, listen to his promises, and then let that kind of fill our hearts and fill our minds and live out of that. Um, And so that's kind of part of the, the, comparison i think between saul and david is that you see david pursuing the voice of the lord constantly and saul was impatient with that at first and then the voice wasn't there anymore and obviously it's different now because we're post jesus we have the holy spirit like there's there's so many more things that we have now because of christ that we need to be so thankful for but i think that i just can say for myself i know i take that for granted I take that for granted that I literally get to talk to the creator of the universe and join him in what he's doing around me. And instead I focus on these small things, the small agenda, and I kind of get really narrow focused and narrow minded when it comes to that. And, uh, and so I don't know, that kind of just popped out to me as like really convicting about how, um, like seeing that care, that quality in David's life and his pursuit in the conversation with the Lord, but also Saul's tr- effort to try to hear the Lord and frantically, um, you know, acting on impulse in different ways. Yeah. In that context of, of, of patience, I want to mention something that um, Rodney Piercy um, had posted in, in our comments here for those of us that are on Facebook live. He said that this reminds him of like this talk about patience Reminds him of Romans uh, 5, 1 through 11. Let me read this real quick. Uh, Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also attained access by faith. Uh, Into his grace, which is part of what Daniel was just saying. um, Into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that 
suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who um, has been given to us. So that's kind of like what David was going through. He was going through a lot of suffering, Mm -hmm. but we can see that in his patience, God produced fruit in his life. And then I think the, the, where I'll stop reading here is, is verse six, for while we were still weak, at the same time, Christ died for the ungodly. I think that's a really important point that when we talk about David and how David's heart was like the heart of God, we see God's heart, that God is patient with us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like he, he waits for us. He calls, he calls, he calls. He's already done the work and he patiently waits um, for us to, to, to call upon his name. I think that's David shows that kind of patience with Saul, that, that he, he loves him even though he's being persecuted, just like how Jesus on the cross, when, when he is literally being murdered by Roman soldiers, he says, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see this, this love and this patience and forgiveness in Christ even while he's being killed. And we see David as the threat of death is upon him. He's still loving and forgiving. Uh, and, and patient. I think that's, I, I appreciate that, Ronnie. I think it's a, that's a good passage that, that parallels this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Ronnie saying, says amen. If we think of um, non-believers or people that are not walking with the Lord, um, the love that we show, um, I believe will shine that light to them greater than anything else. Um, um, in my Islam class, we're um, choosing a country that is, a lot of Islamic. So for example, um, Morocco is like 99.8%. So you think of how, how can the people of that country see the love of without time? You know, um, unbelievers, um, need time. Believers as they grow in Christ, we can't want them to be, um, where we can't rush them through the process. Right. So it says Um, as you just read, it says in the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Mm -hmm. Like everything is on it. And uh, if we want to rush, it will not end up great. Um, So the timing of God is not our time. Um, But as David, we just need to trust in him and trust in the Lord and continue to seek him in those times. Yeah. That's so good, Jerry. I think a lot of us believers get that wrong where we don't love we, you know, we want to force Jesus on people, you know, we, we want to shout it at him, you know, and, and that is definitely opposite of, you know, when Jesus walked the earth, that was opposite of what he did. He never forced it upon anybody. He just loved them and tried to grow in relationships with people. But I think oftentimes, um, that's where we just get it wrong today. And it makes me sad because I think a lot of people are turned away from the church because they, they see that they see believers trying to push that on them. And, you know, we just, we need to love people. And that, that's a really a good reminder. I think that's something that God has showed me in the last few years. Cause I think growing up, I often felt like I had to push it on people. And that's, that's something that the Holy spirit has been teaching me is that that's not, that's not the way to do it. It's not his heart. So, yeah, yeah. I think that um, 
one thing that we do that prevents us from loving people is not that we don't love want to love people. It's that the urgent pushes out the love, right? We just get busy or we get totally focused on what we want to do and uh, kind of our agenda. I would say that more, mostly more in the kind of Western North American kind of culture. Um, and I think that what this pandemic has done is it has stopped us. You know, it has slowed down some of the busyness. And, and I think that it gives us the opportunity to kind of go back to uh, an opportunity to, to just love people for where they are. Like, I love the pacing of Jesus's life, right? It seems like it's constantly yeah. frantic and everything like that, but it's not like, like, I remember like, I mean, even when pressed around crowds, right? So even when, when Jairus is coming to him because his daughter's dying and, uh, and so he's pressed in a crowd and they're pushing him all towards, he could, to, so he can go heal his daughter. There's a woman that touches him, right? And he stops in the middle of all of that. And he goes and he focuses in on this woman that has been, you know, suffering for 12 years. And, and it's a beautiful picture of Jesus being able to be uh, in the moment, loving people, right? And pacing his life in a way where uh, nothing superseded that, right? Nothing superseded the love for other people. And so urgency of agenda, of time, of destination never ended up being the thing that pushed out love. And, and I think that that has been the tragedy that we've experienced so much is that we kind of become like the Levite or the priest when it comes to the, um, the principle or the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where we're just busy and we walk past. We just walk past and avoid the suffering and the hurting and what's going on. We don't even bother looking at it, right? And you, but then you have the Samaritan in the in the parable, the Good Samaritan, that stops and goes above and beyond to love uh, the the person that's been robbed and wounded and left for dead. And, even, and so, oh, go ahead, Jerry. I'm sorry. Um, we even look in like Mark um, chapter six, where the disciples had been out all day. Um, and Jesus said, okay, let's go to the other side of the lake and rest. They hadn't even had time. Yes. To. And yeah. uh, instead, when they received, when they arrived on the other end of the lake, the crowd was there. And you see that Jesus, he didn't just push them off, but he went out and began teaching them. Mm. And then it was, and he taught them until it was late. And then the disciples came and said, how are we going to feed them? Let's send them away. no. After ministering all day, um, after then teaching again for several hours when they were supposed to rest without food, and they get to the people, and Jesus said, let's feed them. You know, um, so Daniel, you're right. We want to rush in our daily lives. We want to say, you know, I've worked all day. I'm tired. You know, there's a person at need, but we don't take time to do that. We're, we're thinking more of our own needs, but busyness. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, one way to show love is to stop. You know, uh-huh. I've been asking myself these questions. Uh, it's been about, it's been a couple of weeks now. I've been pr- trying to pray this every single day and I've, I've shared it a couple of times on my coffee in a chapter. Uh, but I asked myself three questions. Uh, first, I pray three questions to God. Try to do it first thing in the morning, but also throughout the day. The first is, is God, what are we doing today? And it's more of like, God, how can I join you in what you have going on? So yeah. let's, let's do this together. The second is, uh, God, what do you need to remind me of today? So you have done, you're building a story with my life. So how, what do you need to remind me of so that I can face this day? And the third question is, who do I need to reach out to or to pay attention to today. 
And, and so all of those questions hone in on really being led by the Holy Spirit and fixing and building my day around what the Holy Spirit is, is leading and joining God in his thing and what he's doing. Because a lot of times, like I'll have my agenda for the day and when it doesn't work, I'll then ask God, okay, God, what's going on? What do I need to be paying attention to? Instead of starting out with the Lord's agenda, I'll start out with my own agenda and then God will graciously break me of my own agenda and to, to show me what he's doing and to show and to bring me into what's going on. And, uh, and so anyway, so that's been, uh, I'm still just trying to work that out. And, um, you know, I haven't had the time where the, thus saith the Lord, you need to pay attention to, to this bro ham or whatever it is. Like, it's just more of like, it, 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 it kind of sets me in a posture of listening and of humility and submission when it comes to what the Lord is doing in, the, in, in my day and what's going on around me. And so that's just been helpful for me in kind of, uh, I don't know how we got onto this, but anyways, that's just been helpful in just trying to pace myself kind of like the way Jesus would do that. Yeah. I think had, often yeah. we just kind of get into like rushing through the day and before you know it, it's nighttime and you're kind of like, where did my day go? And, you know, God doesn't force himself upon us. Like he has like a still soft voice. So something I just started doing, um, which I've been reading that a book called um, Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge and love that book. If anybody wants to get a new book that I recommend it. It's really changing my life and I'm only halfway through, but he talks about taking like a, a one minute pause where you just stop and breathe and, you know, tell the Lord, I give you everything and I'm giving everything and everyone to you, God. And that has really been making an impact for me because like you said, Daniel, to start out your day, but then you kind of get going and you get busy. So I've been setting a a remind on my phone and then I stop for like one to three minutes and just, just I'm still. And those are the times I can hear the Lord because, you know, when we're just busy and we're going about our day, there's no way he can speak to us. There's no way he can put yeah. somebody on your heart. So that's something I've been trying to stop mid morning and mid afternoon and just doing that, just stopping for like two to three minutes. It really um, just kind of changes your whole mindset. Yeah. We've had some good comments on here too, in this conversation. Um, Rosanna Fox, uh, she said, I've learned that my actions speak much louder than my words. Um, saying God is good is a sentence living my life for God. People will see that God is good. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a uh, rainy Childress says greetings from Alabama. Um, she also says step into the day with an awareness of his presence, do life together in a relaxed way, no pressure. And then um, Ronnie Piercy, he said, you can't love unless you're constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said that right before Daniel started talking about that. I thought yeah. that was good. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. You know, one, one last thing I'll, I'll say real quick is um, as we see all these comments and we're, and we're talking about like timing and, and things. One thing I've noticed is that God, he's a storyteller. If you look, if you look at like, like how Jesus teaches, he teaches with parables mm -hmm. and we see the Bible has lots of narrative. It has lots of stories. And, and so God, I think God likes telling stories. He likes, like he likes being an author and with God's timing and patience, I'm reminded of another author, C.S. Lewis. He said that, that when he writes a, a book or writes a story, when you read it, your mind sees it happening in time. Like there's five minutes between this event and that event. And he says, but what you don't know 
he's like, as I write this, I, I stopped and I took a walk and I, and I left for hours to, to contemplate what the character would do next. So like as an author, C.S. Lewis says, no, he doesn't exist in time. And that's how C.S. Lewis feels that God is with time too, that, that God it doesn't exist with, within our concept of time. The reason why I mention this is that we have to understand why God is patient. God is a storyteller. God is concerned with the events. He's concerned with what happens, not necessarily when it happens. To God, I feel like he's event-driven, not time-driven. So we have to experience this time. We have to experience this, this feeling of being patient. But God already knows how all the events are being, being set. So we just have to follow the, the pathway that God has laid out for us and just kind of let it come to us instead of trying to rush things. Hmm. What a good time. What a good uh, time to really apply the principle now. Right. I mean, this is, this is, this is a, a time and a season that is so unique in our lifetime. You know, we don't have, we, we haven't experienced anything like we've gone through in the last two months. Right. And so I think that this is such a great opportunity for us to press into his presence and to really allow him to show us and teach us um, how to act and live within the character and nature of, uh, of what he's designed us to do. Because honestly, we are people that are terrible at rest. I mean, our, I should yeah. say our North American culture, I'm just saying that as a context, we're terrible at rest. We hardly get any sleep. We hardly stop. We're always looking at our phones. We're always connected. Like we, we just don't pause and shut our mind down. And I think that God is in his grace. He, he will kind of like almost put us in time out for a little bit to let us relearn how he's designed us and constructed us to be, you know? And so, um, even though this is this is very tragic in a lot of ways, what's going on all throughout the world, um, it, this is also, I think, a great opportunity for us to really uh, press into His presence and to, for, to almost like now that we're in this kind of smelting process, to to have Him shape us and form us in the way that He's designed us to be. Yeah, and it's something that I've actually um, not been doing it enough, but I've kind of started doing is kind of what you're talking about, Tiffany. I haven't been in that book and in that app that you guys are using yet, but um, I, I don't tend to be a nervous person. Slacker. I don't tend to be a nervous person, but I Me tend neither. to be a person who constantly has a little bit of anxiousness going on behind the scenes. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I hear people talk all the time about spending time at Jesus's feet, right? But how do you do that, right? So because Jesus is, he's with us, but he isn't physically here with us for us to actually sit down and be at his feet. Um, so what I have started doing recently is just taking time when I'm by myself sometimes, if I'm feeling anxious about something or whatever, I'll stop and focus on him and I'll let him take away the anxiousness and, and just let me rest for a few minutes. Um, and then I move on with my day. And I think it's the same kind of thing, probably of what you're doing. But for me, it just came out of a different place. But um, it does. It really, it really helps me. It helps me slow down, and it helps me um, gather my thoughts. It helps me feel more rested throughout the day. Um, so I don't know. I just felt like I should explain that because for me, that's right now anyway. That's kind of on a on a daily, short term, throughout the day basis. That's what resting at his feet looks like for me. Um, and I don't know if that helps anybody or not. Mm.
That's good. I think it's important to know that, you know, there's no right formula. I think as believers, we often like will compare ourselves to each other like, oh, you know, that's how they have their quiet time. Maybe I should change it to that. Right. So I think it's good you share that because, um, you know, God, God created us all differently for a reason and he speaks to us all differently. So we should never compare our relationship with the Lord to anybody else's because yeah. You know, we're all unique and different. And um, the way that I feel close to the Lord and hear the Spirit speak to me is going to look completely different than how it does for you. And there's yeah. no right or wrong. I think too often, again, we just that comparison of our society. Um, I've actually just kind of taken a break from all social media because um, I don't know. I just feel like I need to right now. Like, I feel like I need to just listen to the Lord. I, I think I've been getting, speaking of anxiety, I've been, to be honest and vulnerable, I've been getting a little anxious about everything going back. Like mm -hmm. to the, I know everybody keeps saying the new normal mm -hmm. and I'm getting anxious of, Oh no, I don't, cause I don't want life to go back all crazy how it was. So I'm right. getting a little nervous to go back <laughs> to like figure it out. Do, do any of you guys feel like that? I do. So sure. I think that's why I've like lately mm -hmm. been shutting everything down. Like got Facebook off my phone. I think because I just feel like I need to like really pause. So as I bring things back in, it's not overwhelming. I don't know if that sounds crazy, but that's how I've been feeling lately. Absolutely. Yeah. I get it. I agree with, with you. With me for, for the fact that it's <laughs> going to be, um, you know, the series that we're in right now is called shift, but it's going to be a shift back. But like, not back completely back to kind of a hybrid or something different. And for me being the, um, the worship leader here at the church, I get a lot of anxiousness thinking about yeah. that because how are we going to do things now? How are things going to look different and what are we going to have to figure out, you know, and what are we going to have to, to try and see if it fails or if it succeeds, all those things yeah. get on my mind, you know, as I think about going back to that, honestly, for me, that's probably the biggest the biggest one is just thinking about trying to go back to normal, but going back to this normal in, in a different way. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I would say my anxiousness um, is there and a little bit different because my life hasn't completely slowed down. Um, I'm still doing a lot of stuff, um, you know, not only with the children, but also here um, with school and with preparing um, to go back so my anxiousness is um, always within myself, like doubting myself or maybe, um, uh, you know, even rethinking conversations, rethinking different things, because, you know, we do want to be the life of Christ. We want him to be glorified. And um, for me personally, my anxiousness normally comes um, at those times. But what I realize is we are our own worst enemy. Um, you know, our uh, many of our worries and anxious thought come from our mind that we ourselves create. So what I have learned is that, um, you know, kind of like you taking that moment to, you know, just be still in the word. Um, but also when those thoughts begin to rise, um, just asking the Lord to... Um, help with unbelief, help with lack of trust and to grow your faith through that. Um, because even as we 
come to a new norm, even here in America. Um, we need to to have faith that we're we're walking with. If we are seeking Him, if we're praying, if we're in His Word, then He will not allow us to go astray, or He will not allow us to make a decision we shouldn't. If we are truly seeking Him with all of our heart. So those anxiousness, um, like Brent, are we doing it right? What will that look like? You know, with the team seeking the Lord, we have to stand firm that God is faithful Mm -hmm. um, to guide us the right way, to show us the right things, um, which takes care of this or the thoughts that um, aren't of him. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I think uh, we need to go ahead and wrap up there. I think, um, I don't know if there's trouble with the internet or what's going on, but it seems like the computer isn't processing quite right right now. Um, So let's go ahead. I think that's a good place to close it up anyway. Um, A good application um, before we get out of here. So um, would anyone want to pray? Not Jerry. She did an amazing prayer for us last week, but anybody want to pray for us today to finish up as we get out of here? Father, we love you, and we just thank you so much for this time, and we thank you, Lord, that um, wherever we all are right now and everybody listening, that Holy Spirit, that you're here and that you're with us, and Father, I just um, pray that you be with everyone that's listening right now and that um, as we go about our day, Lord, that we do just take those moments that we stop and we invite you in, and Lord, that... um, we just learn to look to you and not not cast all of our worries on things of this world, Lord, that are just constantly going to bring us new things to worry about every minute, Lord, but that we will just lay all of that at your feet, Lord, and that we will look to you and that we'll give you all of our worries, Lord, and that you will um, bring us a peace. Um, and God, I just, um, I thank you, Lord, that we can look at your word and look at how David um, trusted in you and was patient and was loving and was kind. And Father, I just pray that you help us with whatever situation we're dealing with right now um, to look to you, Lord, and to trust you and to be patient. Um, Right now in this quarantine, so many of us um, are just frustrated and tired of being at home, Lord. And I just pray that you continue to um, every day give us a new patience give us love for each other help us to be kind to each other as everybody is uh, dealing with this time in a different way. Help us to show your love and kindness to everybody that we meet. And Lord, um, we just thank you for all you do for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tiffany. Amen. Amen. Um, this was fun. I loved having five of us on here today. I'd love to, this zoom gives us capabilities we didn't have before. This is really nice. And, um, Hopefully we get to do this again and often. So um, Michael, Jerry, Tiffany, Daniel, uh, thank you guys so much for being here and having a conversation today. Everybody who watched, everybody who will be listening when we put the audio version out, thank you so much. Continue to share, continue Mm -hmm. to tune in. We want to hear from you um, and we hope this is helping you. So guys, as always, until we see you next time, go out, be that light. Let Jesus live and shine through you. Show his love to people. Be patient and wait on the Lord. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks guys. See you later.